0: Welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies.
1: I am one of your hosts, Miss Melmoy. <laughs> I'm the other host, and I have no idea why she's laughing. I'm Mr. Craigers. The <sighs> sabotage.
0: And tonight on episode 58, we are
1: going through
0: our <laughs> holiday, Christmas, whatever you'd like to whatever you celebrate. Advent. I know it's saying Advent suggests Christmas, but we're open to all things here. Uh, Advent of horror films for the season. Uh, Last time we did um, The Possession in honor of the Festival of Lights. And this week, we're doing our first Christmas episode on one of Mr. Kreger's all-time favorites, if you'd like to introduce it.
1: Black Christmas! Bob Clark's first... Christmas masterpiece from 1974 he would later go on about 10 years later to do everybody's favorite Christmas Eve tradition now a Christmas story two very different Christmas Uh movies on his repertoire Um, and two of my favorites and Black Christmas the original of course as I said 1974 is tonight's topic and I'm very hype hype. to dive into that it's one of my faves
0: yes 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 um in the new wait we don't have any sort of correspondence i, I assume Probably. i not we'll catch you next time um yeah, yeah. <laughs> um in news um last week was uh Krampusnacht, um, That's knocked right. um you know for you know that nice little uh, Germanic legend about, you know, instead of getting cold, you get kidnapped and, like, eaten if you're bad. So watch out. Don't do that. Um, Mike Doggerty's I forgot when it came out, 2015? Um, yeah. film Krampus is a fun one. It's a nice, it's almost dark comedy at times, but a nice little horror film if you're looking for a Krampus film. Um... Yeah, that's all I got. I mean, we got some Stranger
1: news, Stranger news, Stranger Things news this week. Got some Stranger Things news. Um, Also, Krampus related. I just watched for the first time a Christmas horror story. Uh huh. um, Which is a anthology Christmas horror movie, also from 2015, and one of the segments involves a family whose car um, gets gets run off the road on Christmas Eve and they're beset upon by Krampus. Um, and there's like this wraparound story um, involving William Shatner. And um, it actually had a really great, the way it brought all the stories together and connected them in the end was really good. I was like, I was surprised. This nice. is a little gem. Nice. So a Christmas <clears throat> horror story. If you guys want some festive frights at this time of year and who doesn't, who doesn't know that's great.
0: Um, my favorite bit of of horror news, this is old news at this point, but I love it, is that, uh, Kate Siegel and, um, and, And, um, what's his nuts, Mike Flanagan, um, named their newborn daughter Theodora and I died.
1: (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was death for sure. Which also, you know, like, congratulations,
0: whatever, good for you guys. But, um, the name was, was... But, like, the name. Was, like, basically a second birth in terms of congratulations. (laughs) For all of us. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, If you haven't yet watched, um, the new Netflix adaptation of The Haunting of Hell House, this isn't going to mean as much to you. And you should do that. Yes. You could tie it into the holidays. It's about family. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's at least one or two Christmas scenes and all those flashbacks, right? right. There's got to be. And then go back and listen to episode 50-something. That was a very popular episode. Where we talk about all things The Haunting in preparation for the Netflix show.
0: I would to argue to say that that was probably our most popular episode was actually our, our Haunting of Hill House bit. And that was
1: a fun episode. No, it
0: was. I love... I just, I love, that adaptation just, who knew? Who want to thought?
1: Yeah, that was like my favorite thing I've watched in 2018. Yeah, no,
0: that was definitely like, and it was interesting because my friend was like watching ahead of me as I was watching, and she would text me non-spoilerly things, but she was like, dude, like, is this the best TV show of 2018? It might be.
1: Yeah. Um, it yeah. was. And really I agree. know what you were doing to me because you were yeah. ahead of me yeah. so I was like, like oh, you need to catch up <laughs> things and stuff and all this yeah. yeah
0: so you highly recommend some people find it very terrifying other people said it wasn't scary at all which usually tends to happen no matter what you do yeah. um, in any horror thing I found it very terrifying every time I wake up at 3 in the morning which happens a lot um, yeah, I, I, I think, it about, think mm-hmm. about bent neck lady you know just right up in her grill that one time right there. So um, you know, there's that. <clears throat> but yeah.
1: All good stuff. All good stuff. All good stuff. But now, other things that tend to be polarizing in horror is in fact this movie as well. Mm. Tends to be very polarizing. Um, I'm holding it up.
0: Yeah, he's he's got he's got a visual.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, people seem to either love this movie or hate this movie. Um, I think it's a very underrated and under appreciated movie. Um, It's not touched by a lot of like scholars and critics um, aside from being more like a footnote um, when talking about later uh, slashers. Um, But I think it warrants a a place in the horror hall of fame for sure. No, I think, I think it's
0: a great movie. Like, just even outside, and we'll get into this a bit, but just even outside horror itself, like, there's a lot of, like, ahead-of-its-time humor, first of all. Yeah. And ahead-of-its-time, like, feminist readings in this Mm -hmm. that, like, just really, like, it's surprising how modernly funny parts of this, this, the, like, the few comedy beats in this, in this film are.
1: Yeah. And... Even with like all of that humor it d- it doesn't lose any of the dread or the tension, yeah. you know, yeah. which is a really hard thing to do um, and it also and it doesn't also go so 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 far that it becomes slapstick or horror comedy. Not that horror comedy and slapstick are bad things. it's just that would sort of taint what this movie's trying to do, but it doesn't go yeah. that far yeah
0: it's
1: a, it's a tough balance um, so. We will dive into our discussion now of Black Christmas, unless there's any other quick headlines or news-related things we want to mention. Mm -hmm, That's all I got. I think we're good. Okay, so we'll dive into our discussion, but first, let's take a listen to the trailer. girl's been murdered. Mr. Harrison's daughter is missing.
0: And now, at the house where she lives, the other girls are getting obscene phone calls. Yeah, what I've done is I've tapped this phone so that when it rings, it'll ring at the station house, too. There was a little girl murdered over in the park tonight.
1: Yes, I heard.
0: Your phone's ringing. Terminal 55. Remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood. Crisp winter nights, star bright, sleigh bells crackling yule logs, candlelight glistening off of shimmering Christmas trees, chestnuts roasting over open fires, carolers beneath snow-covered window ledges. Remember those. Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. Black Christmas, starring Olivia Hussey, Kir Dulley, Margot Kidder, and starring John Saxon as Lieutenant Fuller. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight.
1: Here we are, kids, ready to discuss Black Christmas from 1974, directed, as I said, by Bob Clark, who... Pretty much made his mark, more or less, with this movie, or at least in 1974. He did this movie, and he did another movie called Death Dream, which some people might also know as Dead of Night, not to be confused with the movie Dead of Night from 1945, which is also a Christmas horror movie. That was a lot. (laughs) That was a lot. (laughs) a lot going on here for almost everybody involved, um... So he directed that in 1974 as well. It's sort of like a monkey's paw type movie. Um this woman uh finds a way to wish her son um who died in Vietnam back to life and um obviously that it doesn't go well. Um and
0: he likes doing what? his urban legend sort of
1: stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because Black Christmas is from many angles a take on another urban legend.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, What is that urban legend?
0: It is the babysitter and the man upstairs. (sighs) Yes, Uh, Which everyone I think at some point has heard some version of this urban legend but all of them seem to go there's a female babysitter she's babysitting the kids doing her thing, hanging out. Kids are asleep upstairs. She gets a phone call, and this guy just goes, have you checked? Doing the voice from the guy from yeah. one on the stranger calls. Um, she hangs up, calls back a few more times. She gets freaked out. She calls the police. They trace the call, and then she gets this ominous uh, message from the police saying, get out. The calls are coming from inside the house. <clears throat> she takes off running, and the kids have been killed, and the... Man upstairs is nowhere to be found. He's off in, he's off into the ether. There are several variations of that, um, but that's the basic gist and that obviously was like verbatim the plot of at least the prologue of What a Stranger Calls. Yeah. First twenty minutes. Um it was based on a real crime that happened in the sixties of a young babysitter who was murdered um, while babysitting. Um, No one was ever convicted, but history is pretty sure they know who it is. Um, It was a young man who um, was familiar with her and familiar with the family she was babysitting for, um, who expressed interest in her before. And evidence suggests whoever it was was known to her because she let them in the house. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's kind of the beginning of the the
1: legend. Did we? When we did our Urban Legends episode, like, way back, did we yeah.
0: do this one? I don't know if we did.
1: I feel like we might have,
0: but I also, I don't
1: know. <laughs> it was a long time I feel ago. like we should have, if we didn't. Yeah. I, I want to say we, we, we at least touched on it. Yeah. So go listen to that episode. Yeah. Tell us if we talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and tell us. Yeah, and, and um, more.
0: But yeah, that's the basic gist of where like, the spark of idea for Black Christmas comes from. Black Christmas takes it to, like, a next, you know, like, that's... <laughs> some next level. It's beyond that.
1: Yeah. Um, so, let's, um, I guess, just sort of walk through the plot like we like to do, and then sure. we'll get into some... Analyzing and and reviewing and whatnot afterwards or along the way as well. Yeah, Um, let's do it. All right, cool. Do you want to start things off? Should I start things off?
0: Um, I can go, and we'll we'll trade it off.
1: Go for it. All right.
0: So it is a cold winter's night. There appears to be some sort of Christmas party. (laughs) Um, we are in the viewpoint the entire time. Every time we near the killer. Um, we are in his viewpoint, kind of like, I guess Peeping Tom was the first one to do that, according to s- Ghostface, um, <clears throat> but, um, yes, yeah, so we're in the viewpoint, in and out of the viewpoint of this stumbling man who finds his way into the attic of a, um, sorority house on the night of a Christmas party, um, <clears throat> and he stumbles up in there, and while, uh, <clears throat> After that, uh, we go down to the, the sorority sisters having a party downstairs. Um, they're giving out gifts. They give some gifts to their their um, house mother, um, Mrs. McHenry, Mrs. Mack. She's a great one. She gets, I forget what they give her, a dress or something or a they sweater. They give her the, the,
1: like, um, like a house coat night yeah, they, to, they give her something you
0: that somebody, a house mother at a <laughs> sorority would use.
1: It's um, very frumpy.
0: Yeah, so they're doing their little Christmas Secret Santa gift exchange, and they get a phone call, this very obscene phone call, like almost like exorcist level voice nonsense from someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, eventually the caller just screams at them and hangs up, and they think it's a weird prank call, and it's insinuated that they might have like gotten calls like this before. Um, but it's whatever. And then Barb.
1: Which, Barb. one of
0: my favorite lines ever comes up later. We'll get to it. But Barb, um, like, before the, so she's like, you get the, she's, she when she's on the phone with a dude, like, she takes the phone at one point and says some stuff to him, like, and, you know, you get the feeling that Barb is just, you know, the problem child. Um, <clears throat> and she gets an, a tizzy, a tiff, <coughs> with Claire Harrison. Claire. Um, who, they have this exchange where Claire thinks it might be this sort of, like, um, rapist who's at large, who she says raped a townie, a town girl, and then Barb, by virtue of being Barb, was like, you can't rape a townie or something asinine. Um, so Claire's like, Ugh, fuck you guys, and goes up to finish packing, because she's leaving to go home for Christmas, because they're at
1: college. Um, and what happens while she's packing? So... Claire's upstairs she's packing and you know she's kind of like told off Barb and what's important to note is that Barb has uh, um, also um, uh, one she's she's, you know she's told off the creep on the phone and two she's convinced or she's gotten the other girls to agree to spend their winter breaks with her except for Claire
0: Um, who wants to spend their winter break with Barb
1: yeah and Claire is Claire, who is younger, has kind of like defied Barbara anyway. So Claire's upstairs. And, you know, she's done her like "fuck you," uh, but she's too nice to actually say that. Yeah. And she's packing, and she hears the um, the house cat, Claude. And Claude's in the room, and she's like, "Oh, Claude, this is Max. Been looking for you, you silly cat." Da 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 da, da, da. And she shooes Claude away, and then she still hears some meowing. Um, from her closet and so she goes into her closet to investigate and at the last moment she realizes it's not Claude it's some intruder and Claire is then attacked and she's suffocated with a um, A bag of some some sort bag yeah like a dress dry cleaning um, plastic you know Um, and she's killed and she's murdered and downstairs, the party, um, you know. I'm screaming uh, about the frumpy dress. Yeah, it's, it's being cleaned up. The rest of the sorority sisters are, you know, having a good time. They're like, oh, Mrs. Mack, put on your dress. Da, 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 da. And, you know, they're all just kind of doing their thing. And, um, and the intruder, this person who has snuck into the attic and now killed Claire, just silently takes her body out of her bedroom. And takes her up into the attic. And no one downstairs is any the wiser as to what has happened. Now, the next day, Claire's father... Mr. uh, Harrison. Mr. Harrison, we don't... (laughs) He's never given a first name. He's never given a first name. Um, Whatever. Um, And that actor, like, disappeared after this movie. Not, like, literally, but he's like, (laughs) not anything else. Um... He shows up at the the school um, in, or in the town of Bedford. I don't know if it's Bedford College. They never say. Um, and he's supposed to pick up his daughter, and they're going to go to lunch, and then this and that, and go home for winter break. But she doesn't show up on the quad. And so he uh, asks a passing student for directions to the sorority house, and he goes over to the house where he meets – Mrs. McHenry, who... I love this bit. Yeah, let's take a moment to talk about Mrs. Mac, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> so, what's the important thing we learn about her, like, in the party scene? So, in the, I believe it's in the party scene when she goes over to the bookshelf.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yes. she like goes over the bookshelf and she's like she's you know moving her hand around like she's trying to decide on a book and she just goes and bees for booze and she grabs this book and rips it out and there's this fucking um a whole like fifth of whiskey like cut out into the book yes. and she just never and then the rest of the movie she's just throwing that down before every scene she's
1: throwing it down <laughs> like we see her She's in the bathroom, she's brushing her teeth, and she has one hidden in the um the back of the toilet. Where, like at the tank. And she pulls it up out of there. There's a lot to unpack about Mrs. Nash. She's she's going into her closet and she has one hidden in a shoebox. She's drinking now. She just has them stashed all over the house, which is hysterical. Oh, uh, so she so Mrs. Mack is there and uh, she's somewhat surprised to, to to see Mr. Harrison you know she's also like trying to secretly drink <laughs> um,
0: and cover up naked posters of like there's like they have like these crazy feminist posters of like naked women in peace and peace signs and, and
1: stuff Claire, right 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 yes because so she's like oh well let's go let's go up to Claire's room we'll see if she's there but she's not and then, you know, yes, Mr. Harrison sees um, Claire sort of a liberated, um, erotic, and politically left-leaning um, decor. <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Mack is trying to cover it up. <laughs> it's just not quite working, and Mr. Harrison is a little concerned. Um, but Mrs. Mack is pretty sure that Claire is just over at the... Um, uh, the fraternity house, the fraternity that's like um, paired up with yeah, like a... the, their sorority, I guess. Yeah, um, but I don't know what you call that. Um, uh, because they're the yeah. the girls, the sisters, and the brothers are hosting a meet Santa Christmas party for um some of the kids from the town, and so she's like, oh, Claire's just just probably over there. It's it's no big deal. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, our, um, who, well, the, the character who will b- become our protagonist, um, Jess. Yes. Uh, played by Olivia Hussey. Hussey, whatever. I never know how to say her last name. <laughs> I say Hussey. Hussey, because it's more fun. Yes. <laughs> Jess, um, has arranged to, you know, the, uh, the night of the party, she, she gets a call from her boyfriend, Peter, and she tells him they need to talk in the morning. And he's like, well, that concerns me. Can't we just talk tonight? And she's like, no, tomorrow. So they meet um, while he is in, um, he's a music major. So he's playing the piano. <laughs> and they go, and she goes and meets him in whatever music recital room or whatever to tell him that um, she is pregnant. Yikes. And Peter is excited about this and Jess quickly tells him she's not keeping it. Um, it's not what she wants for herself at this point in her life. And how does Peter take this information, Miss Mel?
0: Well, does, this is a later conversation, I feel like. Or does it escalate later? Because they have this conversation later in the house and he like threatens her. Yeah, that's later. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. I was just yeah. So he's not super because he's super. He loves it. He's like super into it. Um. And he doesn't take it overly well that she isn't excited about it. Um. And doesn't want to uh, keep it. Um. So he gets kind of edgy about it. Um. So he, you know, like intimidates her a little bit. Like, kind of like gets a little edgy but it's the the real stuff comes up later because the idea is that we're trying to suggest throughout the movie that it might be peter who is the the man in the attic the crazy man in the attic um so that doesn't go over super well also like jess is like british for some reason yeah like you get the idea though she's probably like a foreign student but nobody ever talks about it um but yeah, so that's going on, and you get the, you, you're meant to get the feeling, oh, like, Peter's, something something about Peter. Because um, he goes,
1: he, like, switches so quickly. Yeah.
0: From yeah, and he flips, and she tries to make excuses later that he's like, oh, he's an artist, he's temperamental, like, no, he's just nuts. Yeah. Um and, like, there's a scene not long after this where he's, like, erotically playing the piano to, like, get his energy out, I guess, or some nonsense. Like, he's- Peter's a weird one. Wow. Um. But while this is happening, Mr. Harrison and, um, Barb and Phyllis uh, try to go, um, tell this douchey oh. police officer. Um.
1: Yes, such douche.
0: Yeah, um. What happened? the try to report her missing, and like Barb thinks she's so funny. um This is like clearly a '70s joke because I don't 100% understand what they meant by a new exchange or a new whatever. Yeah, like I don't know how phones worked in the '70s, but she like goes to give him. He's like, like you know, they go to report her missing, and like Sergeant, I think his name's Nash. Sergeant Nash, Sergeant, yeah, Sergeant uh, Nash. It's Nash, yeah. Is like, oh, like, you know, you know, and he gives them the thing where it's like, oh, she's probably just out partying or she probably shacked up with some guy in a cabin somewhere. Like he's like very dismissive and like suggests that it's like some sort of like thing, Um, which adds itself to the feminist subtext in this film is that Sergeant Nash is a piece of shit. But he's for like, sure. oh, she's probably just, like, ran off with some guy or something. And they're like, fuck you. Um, but they go to leave the number um, for the sorority. And Barb <laughs> gives him the number. She's like, oh, it's fellatio887 or something like that. And he's yeah. like, what? And she's like, Effie, it's a new exchange or something. And he's like, can you spell it? so she spells it out for him <laughs> And leaves that. The he's, like, not even, he's none the wiser. Yeah. Um, and I love that it's like a running joke too. Like it comes back. It does come back. So like that happens and while that's happening, um, Phyllis goes to tell Claire's boyfriend, who's like this hockey player at the college. Jess goes? Jess goes? I thought it was Jess goes. Oh, Jess goes. Okay, yes, yes. just does so. So Jess goes to to tell Claire's boyfriend um that she's missing, like to see if he knows where she is. And he gets flipped out very quickly. Um, so they go off to do things, um, and we learn that a a local, um, has gone missing. And it's a, like, a young girl, a, a child, um, is also missing now in the town. So things aren't
1: looking super great. No. No. It's not so good. So, Jess takes Claire's boyfriend, Chris, down to the station. Where, um, they, uh, Sergeant Nash, again, tries to be like, she's just run away with so-and-so, like, what? don't worry about it. Mm. And then Chris is like, fuck you, and here's why. And, um, they finally get the attention of, um, Lieutenant, uh, or detective some higher or detective, up fellow or detective not entirely
0: he's sure. he's he's more important than sergeant nash um
1: <laughs> he is hold on let me yeah whatever he's more important than sergeant nash um fuller yes i think is his name. lieutenant lieutenant he's a lieutenant so pretty high up they get his attention um get him to 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 take it seriously. Um he's Chris's cousin or brother, I never remember. Oh, Something. I don't know, yeah. Something like that. And so he's like, okay, we'll like we'll figure this out. Um so back at the uh back at the sorority house, uh Mrs. Mack uh, Hosts a dinner for Mister Harrison um, that Barb and Phyllis also come to as well, and Barb gets uh, increasingly drunk throughout the dinner.
0: Here and comes. My favorite,
1: <laughs> favorite <laughs> line about the turtles. <coughs> no, I love the part about uh, the turtles, <laughs> but it's not it. Yeah, and she and she so she t- she tells Mister Harrison about turtles that can have intercourse for, like, three or four days at a time. <laughs> and was like, you may not know this. It's a little known fact. It's a little, it's a little known fact. It's a little known There fact. are these turtles. Turtles. You know how I know this? I went down to the zoo. <laughs> I watched <them. laughs> Um, So Mrs. Mack and Phyllis are trying to get her to stop um, talking. Yeah, just, yeah, ba- yeah, to stop talking, yeah, basically. But she won't and then she says that she knows everybody in the room is blaming her for Claire's disappearance because you know they got in a spat, you know, and Barb was was mean to her about, you know, everything. Yeah. Um, and it more or less obviously ruins the dinner. So Barb is, is shuffled away. So and Say hey, my
0: you know. favorite thing, Barb, you're drunk. Go to bed. Go to bed. <laughs> I just love the tone, the fact that her name is Barb. <laughs> the entire phrase, insert name, you're drunk.
1: You're drunk. Go to bed. And she's played by the great Margot Kidder. Yeah. And like 70s Margot Kidder is the best version of Margot Kidder. <laughs> <laughs> Margot Kidder. Yes. Yeah. Peak Margot Kidder and she's like 70s drunk Margot Kidder
0: (laughs) the entire sequence of drunk Barb because Barb stays asleep the
1: rest of the movie
0: Yeah, (laughs) after she is told to go to bed because she's drunk she does not
1: awake yeah so she goes they they put her to bed and um Chris and Jess return to the house at this point because they, they you know they now have the news because of um the young girl from town who is missing, Janice, that the, um, that's an, you know, and Claire's disappearance, it's enough not goodness for the police to um, organize a search party. So um, Phil and Jess and Chris and Mr. Harrison all go out to join the search party, and um, Mrs. Max stays behind. Um, to drink, <laughs> to drink and supposedly to take care of Barb and our foursome go down to uh, the park. And that's where the search party begins. Um, and Mrs. Mack. Yes. I said all this, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. I saves, yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. So Mrs. Mack is packing to leave, uh, for her sisters, you know, home for the holidays and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she hears Claude. Claude. You remember Claude, right? The, the cat. Yeah. And then she goes on this like five minute like chase for Claude. <laughs> like, Claude. 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 Um, Say goodbye to Bobby before I leave or something. Before or something. I leave, yeah. Um, and then her taxi's there and she's like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I say goodbye to my cat. I have to find the cat. And she hears the meowing coming from the attic. Awesome. So she climbs up into the attic. And what does she find? So
0: she, she rips her pantyhose on her way into the attic. That was a big reaction from her. But she gets up into the attic eventually. And she immediately is met with the... It's interesting because the angle comes up that we can see behind her there are hands behind her holding on to something um yeah but we we pan not pan away we like sort of cut to a a wider shot and we see her come up into the attic and she looks and she sees sitting um in a rocking chair quite as she was when last we saw her claire with her head still wrapped in plastic um just dead being dead she's dead Um, wrapped in plastic yeah, so she's still up there, and she freaks out. She starts screaming, um, and then she turns and sees the assailant behind her, and he's got this, like, for some reason, they have a big old metal hook in their like attic. Yeah, like, like a crane hook? Um,
1: But it's up there for some reason. I assume it, like, for, like, lifting, like, large furniture into the attic? I don't know. And somebody left
0: it up there, but anyway, he's got it in his hands, and he swings it at her face, and she just gets hooked in the face and is murdered. Um, off-screen, she screams, and no one's around to hear it. Yeah, Um, it's quite a thing. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> but, while that's happening, night has fallen, and, um, now that they've gotten the attention of Lieutenant Fuller, uh, they decide they're going to, um, organize a sort of search party for Janice and for Claire, and they do that thing where, you know, you make, like, a line of people and fan out, and you all just kind of, like, feel around, and there's some dogs and people, and just, like, the whole town's together looking for these missing girls. Um, and they're going out, and they're doing this. Um, while, is it while this is happening? They have the... Or is Jess with them? No, yes. So Jess is with the party for a little bit. Yeah, so she's there when, basically, um, they find... Janice's body, um, her like mutilated body. Um, everyone freaks out. Obviously, Jess and, and Phyllis, you know, see this and start fearing the worst for Claire. Um, and you know, they return home while uh you know, the, they handle the the unfortunate scene of the park. Um Janice's mother freaks out obviously. Um they get another phone call when they get home. Another obscene phone call just in time for Peter to show up Mm. and um, Peter's in a state. What kind of state is Peter in?
1: He's not in a good state, not a state that we would think of as being a healthy state. (laughs) He's, he's very upset. It's pretty heavily implied that he's somehow drunk or under some influence, under an influence of some sort of substance. Um, we, we we see a brief scene of him intercut during this of uh, doing some sort of audition type thing of piano playing in front of a panel of judges that does not go well, and in anger he smashes up a, a grand piano. And so he's he, you know that's going on that's upset him. He's still upset about the baby thing, and he is a very menacing presence, a very intimidating presence. He. Proposes to Jess that they get married, and 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 form a family because he doesn't even like offer it. He's like, I'm quitting school
0: and we're getting married. Is like yeah. what he says to her, basically for Pam.
1: Yeah, and he's like, you're into it, right? And she's like, I'm not super about it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's upset. They have. <clears throat> the sort of fight and exchange you would expect them to have in this situation. And uh, Peter storms out and uh, is uh, replaced, more or less, by Lieutenant Fuller, who has come to the house to um, bug the telephone. <clears throat> and so that they can trace this obscene phone caller. Um, you know, people are starting to suspect that the caller is the person they're they're the person who hurt Janice and Claire, which of course we know, <laughs> you know right, or at least that this person has hurt Claire, yeah. we saw. So <clears throat> that gets all set up, you know, the whole kind of like, oh, don't worry, everything's gonna be okay. Justin and Phil have a little bit of a moment. Um, and then some Christmas carolers show up. <laughs> guess that was a thing people still did in the 70s. Yeah, right? And it, it is just, it's just kind of like, oh, cute. <laughs> <laughs> right? Just stands out there and listens to their entire show. Their whole repertoire. She's like, what have you got for me? <laughs> <laughs> Do Peril of the Bells. <laughs> like, that one doesn't have words. Like, Do it anyway. Do it, but make it work. <laughs> make it work. Make it work. Um, but unfortunately... The intruder, the killer, takes this opportunity—the cover of the carolers, as it were. <laughs> That's what they called it. Yeah, to dispatch with Barb.
0: Barb. Yeah, and it's and it's Barb, who's still passed out of sleep because remember, Barb's drunk and passed out, asleep. doing her
1: drunk mumbling. Um, and it's pretty brutal, or at least it's implied to be pretty brutal. We yeah. don't actually see all that much of it. Yeah. He takes like a.
0: Some sort of figurine of some sort. Yeah,
1: it's not like a... It's some sort of decorative item in the bedroom. It's a decorative,
0: heavy glass thing. And he just sort of, like, stabs her in the neck with it.
1: Yeah. And Barb, even in her, like, completely intoxicated, passed-out state, is trying to cry out for help. But again, the cover of the carolers. The cover of the carolers. Her screams are not heard. Yeah. Um... So, event you know, Barb is dispatched with, and the carolers disperse um, in in a panic because word has has started to spread about um, the discovery of the young girl's body, uh, and then our third phone call comes in, and this is perhaps at least suggests the most disturbing phone call so far because the caller. Um recites back to Jess pieces, word for word pieces of her argument with Peter that she had, you know, within the hour. And when Jess relays this information to Lieutenant Fuller, the theory is proposed that Peter is the one they need to be looking at. Who else would have knowledge of what was said? Um, we obviously know Peter's not in a great mental state. Mm-hmm. Jess is not entirely convinced. Um, and then what happens? So
0: <clears throat> they so they have to like get the killer on the phone for an extent because you know, this is seventies tracking technology.
1: Right. To trace so
0: him. they're like, you need to keep him on the phone. Um and So, they call, doesn't stay on the phone for long enough, Um, and then, um, I think Peter calls back. Like, Peter himself calls. Yeah. And um, he, and that's what alerts them to, like, you know, we need to be looking into Peter. We have some questions. He's kind of weepy on the phone. Um, He's not super, you know, he's in a not great state. Um, You know, she's like, where are you? And he never answers, and he hangs up, and they aren't able to trace it, but they're like, yeah, like, Peter... Some drunk Peter. Um. So he calls back a third time, this person. Or I guess he calls back a second time after Peter. Um, while this is happening, Phyllis decides she's going to go upstairs. During this time, I think it's before the car- carols, carolers happen, some dudes show up in their window. Oh, yeah. They're like, um like, Town Posse. Yeah, the tattoo guys who have broken off from the Town Posse just are in their window. They're like, oh, hey. Hey. And they, uh, answer the door and they're like, oh, you know, there's, like, a killer out there. You guys alright? And they're like, yeah, we know. We heard. It's good. It's fine. Like, it's just this great little exchange between these two, like, overly helpful men and them. Um... Because that's the first time Phyllis, like, freaks out and screams. And it's, you know, like, the fake-out one. Um, but so she goes upstairs. I think she goes upstairs to go check on Barb or just to go yeah, do something. Yeah, on Barb. And she's like, I'm going to go upstairs. And um, there's another phone call. So, um, Jess is on the phone. And the dude's just, you know, doing the thing where he makes noises and voices. Because during this, while she's on the phone, um... Phyllis discovers Barb and is attacked by um, the dude. So we hear part of that happening while he's on the phone. Like it's this interesting cut between the phone and it's happening and the phone, it's happening. Um, And she stays on long enough for them to trace it now. And um, they, they get it out there to the two. There's cops sitting outside. And they say, we traced the call it's coming from. I forget the address. And the dude's like, no, you fucking idiot. That's where the calls that's are coming terrible. into. Yeah. And they're like, no, that's where they're coming from. Like, they're coming from, in you know, da-da-da. So the lieutenant's like, holy shit. So the lieutenant calls Sergeant Nash, everyone's, you know, favorite upstanding cop. And is like, okay, I need you to but call her and tell her to get out of the house. Don't tell her that, you know what's going on, just say she needs to, let her know she needs to leave. So Nash... Immediately. Yeah, leave right now. So Nash calls, he's like, are you alone in the house? And she's like, no, Barb and Phyllis are still here. And clearly Nash is like, well, fuck them. Because Nash is like, you need to leave the house right now. And she's like, well, why? I should go get them. And he's like, no, do not go upstairs, leave the house. And she's like, well, what's going on? And Nash just breaks down and there's the sort of famous bit where he's like, the calls are coming from inside the house. And (laughs) It's funny because when the lieutenant's explaining to Nash his instructions, he's like, if you fuck this up, well, if you mess this up, I'll kill you. Um, So I assume Nash got murdered after this movie. Um, (laughs) By Fuller. Yeah, so naturally, as is all the inclination of white women in horror films, she decides to go upstairs. To where the danger is. Because I guess she wants to find Barb and Phyllis. Like she's trying to be. Yeah. She's a good friend. Yeah. Um, and she decides to to head on up there. And it's not the best decision. But she
1: does but she's not a stupid white woman, because she does take a weapon. She, she takes a fire poker. Yeah, she
0: very much goes up there with the intention of like getting her friends and getting out. Um so you can't really blame her.
1: But what happens when she heads upstairs? So she heads upstairs and you know, yes, her, her efforts were valiant and noble, but unfortunately, it's too late. And Jess discovers that what we already know, she finds the dead bodies of, you know, her two friends, her fellow sorority sisters, Phil and Barb. And then so begins uh, the appearance of the killer and the the final chase, you know, the chase sequence. Jess, as our final girl, um, pursued through the house um, by the intruder, who, through clever and great camo work, we don't really ever see. Yeah. The
0: eye shot is um,
1: the, the eye nice shot. One,
0: yeah,
1: that's as close as we get. Really creepy, really famous. Um, the chase eventually ends with Jess uh, in the basement. Uh, she barricades herself in there she's she's just like whatever i'll wait it out i'll fight him if he comes in whatever and then here we've got peter showing up (laughs) at the the, um what do you call those kind of windows the basement windows like
0: oh god damn i actually knew very recently because i read somewhere what they were called yeah like the the in windows of like into the the
1: sort of ground area yes. yes Um, whatever those are called, that's where he shows up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he breaks it and he comes in to, to, to get at Jess. And, you know, Jess, based off of what she's heard from Fuller and Peter's behavior the last two days and everything that's going on, uh, defends herself. Yeah. Um, and she wails on Peter with the poker. Yeah. Um, because. yeah. Obviously he's the killer. Um, and she takes him down. Yeah. Uh, She 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 destroys him. Kills him in in self-defense. Um, and she's screaming and she's freaking out and she's breaking down as one would. Very traumatic. Uh, we get the arrival of Fuller and the rest of the police, um, where they find Jess sort of barely coherent, almost near catatonic in the basement. Um, Peter's body is there. It's a grisly scene. Um, and we kind of start to, to bring things down and we start to calm down. Um, Jess is taken upstairs, you know, they're trying to comfort her. They put her to bed. Uh, We've got some cops moving in and out of the house, you know, going over the murders. Um, But no one has gone into the attic yet. Uh, No one has discovered the bodies of Claire and Mrs. Mack. So, It's assumed that they're out there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, So Jess is left in the house to to rest and to sleep. Uh, A policeman is stationed outside. The house is quiet. And then door to the attic opens. (laughs) And someone climbs down and goes over to Jess's room and then the phone begins to ring. And we fade to the outside of the house as the phone rings and rings and rings. And then the credits roll. Yikes. 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 <laughs> and that is Black Christmas. Yes, it is. Yeah. So now (laughs) (laughs) so um
0: obviously you know like the the identity of the killer is never revealed and it's not important like this is like i feel like the purest form of like what halloween because halloween was inspired by black christmas yeah what halloween was going for where it's literally just this mentally disturbed man like just goes on a rampage for no reason um Uh, or no discernible like motive reason for the victims right he just he's just he's unhinged um you get the feel like you clearly you can piece together some things because the killer has this story of this billy and agnes character um that he repeats
1: sometimes and um you have to listen closely and you can and you can piece together like kind of what happened or yeah Yeah, but it's still not compared to most slashers it's Nothing, really.
0: No, and, like, the thing is, is, like, that you get is he is just, like, he's an unhinged man, he's a misogynistic, like, like, fatally misogynistic person, um, and that's, like, you know, like, the gist of it, right? And that kind of lends itself to, like, the feminist readings people have of this, because, you know, Jess Mm -hmm. is this, like, you know, she's, she's a final girl who not only, you know, had sex, which is, like, a no-no in horror films, it wasn't, like,
1: a thing yet, but, like, she's also pregnant, She's also pregnant, and she's also planning on getting an, an abortion. abortion. Yeah, she no. The all film the does not shame her for this in any way. Yeah, yeah, it's,
0: no. It vilifies Peter for for his reaction to her wanting to get an abortion. Um, mm-hmm. We side with her on this in 1974.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so. there's no. Yeah, there's no like conservative coding in any way for Jess or any of the girls in the sorority. Um, even Barb really. Yeah. Is, we're not meant to to sort of. Um, look down on her or anything like that um for being sort of sexually liberal or anything like that yeah and like the the the
0: very graphic obscene sexual nature of the phone calls being vilified the way they are the way that sergeant nash is like coded negatively for his like brushing off and and you know thinking it's just women being promiscuous and and that's why they're they're going missing like there's a crap ton of of um feminist readings that go on on the the underside of
1: this oh absolutely absolutely and I like what you said like about Halloween because and how it you know Carpenter was influenced by this um just as we we talk a lot on the show sort of like the history of the slasher right and like Mm -hmm. what what did what like Friday the 13th made it pop Halloween sort of Gave it the attention, but Black Christmas is sort of like it did it first, right? Yeah. We've got the POV from the killer, which again, that that happens in, in Peeping Tom and in Psycho. Um, oh, that's right,
0: it does happen in
1: Psycho. But but it happens here in the way that I think all future slashers would utilize it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you've also got the holiday setting, which became a staple of slashers going forward. Uh, the, the first time the heroine was left to fight the killer alone. Um, also the open ending, which the original Halloween utilizes, right? Michael disappears. Um, and that's another thing that, that Black Christmas did first. So it's an interesting sort of, uh, legacy for Black Christmas because like I mentioned the first time, it's, it's more just been regarded as a footnote when people talk about Halloween, um, because Halloween kickstarted the slasher boom, um, But I think Carpenter even himself said that he had a conversation with Bob Clark and, you know, about Black Christmas. And he was like, if you ever did a sequel, what would it be? And Bob Clark was like, I would probably call it Halloween. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. So, um, it's really interesting. And I think, Black Christmas is also that kind of very effective horror film. Um, Okay. So let's think about horror tends, horror stories tend to be, you could put them in two major categories. I think Mm -hmm. like stories where um, characters are invaded by something horrible and dark, or stories where characters enter into something horrible and dark. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think the more terrifying of the two are stories where the dark and the terrifying invade the characters Mm -hmm. because it's really easy to not go into the abandoned asylum, but you don't have any control over if your home gets invaded. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's, Part of the reason why I find Black Christmas is so terrifying, or why I think it maximizes its terror in such an effective way. Yeah, um, yeah it's like the
0: Velisca Axe murders. Like, that's terrifying, right? The idea that somebody's just hiding yeah. in your space, um, mm-hmm. watching you in your space.
1: And what's great about this movie is that it's almost even more unsettling because of the, um, the setting and the set pieces, um, the cozy atmosphere, Um, like that, their sorority house is so inviting, you know? And like the nostalgia of a, you know, a house decorated for Christmas, like everything's warm inside, you're keeping the cold out, like, and this movie, perverts that whole mm-hmm. wholesome atmosphere um which is really really chilling yeah. i think um and i think another big part of how that's achieved is how the the movie is filmed it's filmed with a very um grainy sort of lens mm-hmm. Um, so everything, everything looks very soft. Everything looks very gauzy so that, you know, like whenever we see Christmas lights, they're really, really bright, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and, uh, fireplaces and candles, like that's, they're very, very like sort of like saturated reds and yellows and, um, just really ramping up all this colorful sort of holiday detail, um, that gets violated by everything that that happens in this atmosphere right like yeah yeah that's why we spend so much time in the beginning of the movie um seeing as much of the house as possible so that we're familiar with this landscape and this geography where all this all these awful things are going to happen later
0: yeah yeah, and it's like, you know, it's like, because you're like, oh, there's carolers, carolers, and it's Christmas. But also, like, you know, it's just, you know, who who doesn't love a nice, you know, destruction of happy, cozy, <laughs> happy, cozy times. Happy, cozy. Um, and like- I think that, that lends itself too, right, the fact that everyone's bundled up inside. You're all vulnerable mm-hmm. inside, because that's where you exist this time of year. So, you know, the someone coming into that is like extra extra messed up Mm -hmm.
1: and because what is more like this time of year like the holidays christmas time like it's all about like peace on earth and goodwill towards men and everyone's kind and happy and giving and generous and it's just in the air and then this is happening yeah
0: and it happens in like the span of a night. It yeah. essentially happens. And in like twenty four or thirty six hours basically, this, this movie takes place. Like yeah. right before everyone leaves for Christmas
1: break. Mm-hmm. It's a very short short time. Um so going back to your second point about like feminist readings and stuff, mm-hmm. um, primarily female cast. Yeah. Um, just you know, we've got the two boyfriends, Chris and Peter and two law enforcement type characters and Mr. Harrison.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's about it. Yeah. Everybody else is, is a female character. Um, and the one boyfriend, Chris isn't even in, he's in it literally
0: for that bit where they go to the police station. then he like yeah, drops just...
1: out of the film. And then that's pretty much it. Um, and what I love about black, black Christmas is I can like, you can say that there's female characters and they're actually characters. Yeah. Like, we get to know all of them. Um, and none of them are meant to be eye candy. None of them are meant to be leered at. Um, their bodies aren't used for anything like sexy or, or sexual, I should say. Like there's no gratuitous nudity.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, they're not just sex objects. Um, And even when the kills happen, um, most of the the violence is implied. Um, Yeah, you
0: never really see much good. I think the glorious death is Barb because you get a shot of her like crying for help. But everything else basically happens like it it goes to happen, and then we quick cut away and just hear screams.
1: Yeah. So even when these women are killed, we're not like, lingering on their violation of their bodies. Yeah. In way.
0: Yeah, because um, we don't see any of the actual mutilation. We're just, yeah. we see a, people's reactions to finding these bodies.
1: Exactly, yeah. Um, we've got Jess. Jess has goals and dreams, and she's, like, not taking any shit from people. A little girl with dreams and arms. <laughs> and arms. <laughs> um but she's like she has goals and like it's never really clear what they are but she's not giving up on them to yeah. be a mom yeah she, she does
0: say she's like remember those goals i told you i had
1: we don't care yeah. what they are but she's got we, them. we don't we never learn what they are um and she's like I, I this isn't the man she wants to marry this isn't the child she wants to have right now and um you know like we said before like there's the film does not cast judgment on her for that um it's more like you said, Miss Mel. Like she's not just because she's our final girl, but like she's painted as heroic because she's so determined. In she's like, this is what's gonna happen, and and you know, and then I'm gonna like save my friends, and I'm gonna do this, and da 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 da, and and mm-hmm. what have you. And Barb is easily the character i think that could fall into some sort of negative stereotype but i don't think that she does because i think we see enough depth from her
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um that we understand that she's the way that she is because she's like the abandoned child yeah sort of um and that you know all that's why all the girls are like they excuse her bad behavior they understand it, they're like okay we'll spend christmas break with you and And what happens and if any of them really was a good girl who we might think of as now being the model of the final girl, that would be Claire. Yeah. And dies right away. (laughs) And Claire dies first and she's not even really that quote unquote good because we see what her room looks like. Right? Yeah. You know, so like feminism, man. Yeah. You know. 1874. 1874, fellatio gas. Fellatio Oh, yeah,
0: that does come back up later because they're like, okay, like when the lieutenant wants the number to the sorority, um, Sergeant Nash gives it to him, like straight-faced... Like, and they're like, everyone in the the office is just laughing, and they're like, Can you uh, spell that out for us? Can you say that one more time? And then Nash gets really mad because he's like, You guys are laughing. There's a joke here, and you guys are laughing at, Like, for some reason, Sergeant Nash doesn't know what fellatio is
1: nope. for whatever reason. Um, so that joke oh, does I- come back. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Sergeant Nash. She doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. But. Um... But yeah, so I guess my point in all of that really was that like these people—they're actually characters—and you feel really bad when they die. Yeah. Um, which, when we think of most slashers, that's not really the case, you know. Mm-hmm. They're sort of just cardboard stand-ins for.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're like stock characters, essentially. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, so we've got that. We talked about, you know. We have a very comforting atmosphere, a very, um, cheerful atmosphere that gets invaded, that gets perverted. Um, you know, the, the interesting effect that we've, we've sort of talked around about, um, we know right away that there's an intruder and there's an invasion of this space. Um, but. The the characters don't for a long Traumatic time. Dramatic irony. <laughs> so we get to we, we get to enjoy the space. We know the killers lurking upstairs. That and, um, which we see that a lot now. But you have to remember in in seventy four that wasn't a device that was used a lot.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, most films up until this point, uh, you would not only know that there was a killer, but you would like you would see the killer and know exactly who it was. This sort of like shadowy menace who whodun- done almost who done it sort of aspect is new, yeah um, and it's effective because there's this like from the opening there's not there's no moment where we as the viewer don't feel a sense of dread,
0: yeah,
1: even though the characters don't we know because we know he's already upstairs,
0: yeah, and up there the entire time, and the body's up there, and like. When I think is the, the like the most devastating part for me is always when Mrs. Mack finds the body and then is immediately killed. <sighs> yeah. It's like, fuck. Yeah. Poor Mrs. Mack. Oh, she's so funny. I love Mrs. Mack. I wonder if they found, like, afterwards, like, all her bottles of alcohol throughout the house. Right. <laughs> like, we're doing a search, you know, for evidence.
1: <laughs> I want to know what book she hid the, the first one in. The I first, think it
0: was an encyclopedia, would, because she says, fair. like, B for booze, and I think it's, it's, like, she hid it in the B encyclopedia, because it's surrounded by other books that look like it, so I, I assume I always
1: assumed it was an encyclopedia. That would make sense. That would make sense. I guess the girls never needed that for homework. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> You're, like, really
0: trusting that they're not going to pull out the because, you know, they didn't have Google, so...
1: Exactly. They actually had to do research in the 70s. So. Um, yeah, so also thinking of um, effective tools to induce mm. dread and terror. Um, we know nothing about this killer. Yeah,
0: like besides we the, the little bits of his sort of
1: demented conversation with himself about Billy Magnus. Yeah. He, yeah, he speaks of himself as Billy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's me, Billy. Um, but we don't, we don't know why he chose this person. Um, the the backstory is not some sort of like exposition, info dump, or anything like that. Um, which is, you know, you have that in every horror movie now at some point. Here's the ancient curse and. <laughs> there's the bones of the cursed yeah you just have to piece together stuff from the phone calls um and when you do even then it's almost kind of worse because it's still not a lot of information like we know or we think he's he did something bad to his sister Mm -hmm. um when they were younger um you know don't tell them what we did Agnes Um, but we're not entirely sure. And, you know, one of the most effective things in horror is anytime you give the viewer, the reader, a chance for their imagination to fill in the gaps. Yeah. And this is a very effective, uh, tool for that. Um, and the voice is just really scary. Oh my God.
0: It's a terrifying, and he switches characters. Yes um very effectively because to the point where the the police officer seems to think it might there's a possibility it might be more than one person um because they right. ask like you know like does he is there often multiple voices you know yada yada so yeah,
1: yeah. and they're very like they're childlike but they're i don't know
0: yeah and it sounds like very exorcisty. I I don't think the exorcist happened yet. Um, but, you know... It like, had just happened. It had just happened. Um, you know, but it sounds a lot like that was my first thought. It was like, this is what, you know, everyone... The stock sounds everyone makes when, you know, a child's supposed to be possessed in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, except it's just like that this guy is just mentally unstable.
1: Yeah. And then there's like that horrible moment where he's talking to Barb and he's doing the voices and he's doing the voices and she's, you know, firing back at him. And he's doing the voices. And then just like totally like sane deadpan is like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. That was like the first phone call. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's, it's like, that's, it makes it all the more unsettling yeah. that he's able to just then go into that sort of like, yeah. s- s- voice, like, cause I think it lets us know that he knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, he's aware and...
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not like some sort of manic episode. Like, he's he's consciously aware of these personalities or, or, or voices and the story, whatever it is. Like, there's some part of him yeah, that's in this,
1: control. This narrative he's created <clears throat> for himself. Um, we also never get confirmation if he actually did uh, rape the town girl and kill... Janice yeah we assume but we don't know for sure yeah another sort of like unsettling it, it's not filled in um much as we you know we talked about how you don't see him um which is a, also another really effective tool uh when his eye is peering through the doorway um and then we see his arm and we see his pants at one point mm-hmm. um but that's pretty much it um and that allows for the great you know final moments of the movie where because there's no reason for us as the viewer to also not think it's peter mm-hmm. um because yeah,
0: the whole time you're like obviously it's peter it's gonna be Peter.
1: yeah it's nuts but when if you watch closely enough you can see the killer's shadow at certain parts in the house yeah yeah yeah, so that it's just w- in
0: the background of scenes, like yes. nobody notices it or remarks upon it. But if you look in the background, you can see a man's shadow. Yeah, um, at different so, points, and that,
1: that would clue us in to know that it, it can't be Peter, because um, it happens at moments, you know, when Peter's there as well. Um, but that's tough to, to see, and so then we get, you know, the film is withholding this this knowledge and this view of the of the killer on purpose, um, and then this. Great reveal in the literal final moments that it wasn't Peter. Yeah.
0: Peter um, was just unhinged for other reasons. He was just unhinged,
1: <laughs> but it, it lines up. He had the motive. He yeah. fit the description. Yeah, there's no
0: reason to not think it's Peter.
1: Yeah, um, um, but it turns out it's not. Yeah, and uh, that's very. That's a dreadful, terrifying thought. Yeah. Um, and and much as the movie started establishing a sense of dread for the viewer, that's exactly how it leaves us. Um, Billy is still unknowable and undetected. Jess, um, our hero, is now helpless and undefended. We don't know what Billy has in store for her. And we just end with that terrifying wide shot you know, of the house. The credits are going. The police officer is just guarding the front door and has no idea that, you know, the monster is still in the house. Yeah. Um, and we just hear the phone ring and ring and it gets louder and louder. Um, it's so horrifying and I love it. I love every second of this movie.
0: Yeah, it's no, great.
1: We've got to do it.
0: It's Christmas time.
1: It's Christmas and Merry Christmas! Yeah, don't die. Yeah. Um, I love this movie and I hope if you know you guys haven't watched it beforehand, maybe you'll think of giving it a watch now. Um, and uh, you know, drunk Margot Kidder and <laughs> Peak Margot Kidder in the 70s. Peak Margot Kidder and Mrs. Mack and Feminism and stuff, and feminism, and Olivia Hussey, and it's creepy. It's just it's really, really creepy. It might be the creepiest slasher. And you guys know how much I love Halloween, this but I think stuff. Black Christmas is creepier.
0: Oh, it is so much creepier. Like like Halloween, I would say it parts is like just downright like ter- like scary or terrifying, like in a big sort of bombastic way. Whereas this is just like the entire time you're like, he's in the house. Oh my god, you're sleeping there. Why are you? T- what mm-hmm. Jesus? And it's just like, oh my god! Like this is nothing but stress the entire film.
1: Yeah. And so much reading you could do into it: feminism, sexual liberation, Mm -hmm. all that, childhood and adulthood fears. Yeah.
0: Gosh, it's a lot of stuff, kids. Stuff,
1: stuff, kids. It's a lot of stuff, kids.
0: And if you want to get at us about that stuff, Which please do, please do. Um, you can do so via our email at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com, Lindsay. Yeah. You're you're an MVP. Um, if you sent an email, I'm sorry we did not get to it this episode. We'll we'll check it out next episode. Um, uh, tweet us splatterchatter666 minus all the vowels. If that's too difficult, just search splatterchatter666. Uh, we will pop right up. Uh, Tumblr splatterchatter.tumblr.com. You've got until the 16th for that that um mm-hmm. that NS NSFW content because <laughs> it's all going away on Tumblr. So get it <laughs> while you can. Um,
1: on <laughs> all that NSFW content we have on our tumblr
0: yeah um and then uh instagram at splatter chatter 666 on instagram uh mr kreger's blog at splatter chatter 666 at blogspot.com and he will tell you all about our patreon
1: If you're feeling the spirit this holiday season and, you know, you're feeling generous, you can go to patreon.com slash splatterchatter666. That's our page that has all sorts of information about the show, myself, Miss Mel, what we're doing, what we want to do going forward, and where you can pledge a monthly donation to the show, one, five, or ten dollars, and get uh, various rewards as a result of your donation. If... You're donating to too many charities, and you have to buy for, like, 50 people in your family and 20 friends for Christmas, and you had to get your significant other eight Hanukkah presents and all this nonsense. We get it. You can also still show love for the show by giving us ratings and reviews on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud. Um, Those will keep us in search results and algorithms for people that are looking for horror podcasts. So we'll appreciate that just as much as we would appreciate um, a financial donation. Now this is going to wrap up our Christmas holiday horror episode. When we next see you, see you, when we next talk to you guys, um, it will be our last episode of 2018 And our last holiday horror episode, and it's going to be a New Year's horror episode, we're going to be looking at the 1980 uh, Jamie Lee Curtis slasher film Terror Train. Mm. Yay! Um, Another favorite of mine. Um, I haven't seen it in a good while, so it will be fun to revisit and talk about as we ring in 2019. So, until that point... We want to wish you guys uh, a Merry Christmas if you're celebrating Merry Christmas and uh, remind you to keep up the creep. And for now, we'll say au revoir, adios.